This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. 67% of women are sexually unsatisfied. Let me say that again, 67%. If men, if 70% of men were sexually unsatisfied, there'd be like some sort of national crisis. Yes, there'd be riots. <laughs> there'd be riots, there'd be a problem. The studies show you must not do hit workouts in the second half of your cycle. Here's why. Oh, this is the big one. Everyone pay attention. <laughs> Let's take a breath. Hey guys, I'm Cindy Litwakel and welcome to Something to Share. Every Wednesday, I sit down with people you may have seen on your TV screens, experts in their fields, or just people I find inspirational so that they have a platform to dive into the things that they really want to talk about. We all have something to share, something that we're going through, and something that we need to hear. So let's get started. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the podcast. Happy Wednesday or whatever day it is that you're listening to this. Either way, I'm just so happy that you are here. Um, Today, I'm so excited about today's guest when I tell you she is one of my top celebrities. I mean, she's a game changer as far as women's health goes. And a lot of you might not even know who she is. And that's why I'm so excited to bring her to this podcast to open up my listeners to Elisa Vitti. A little bit of background on her. So Elisa Vitti is a functional nutrition and women's hormone expert. She's a founder of the modern hormone healthcare company called Flow Living. She has two best-selling books and an incredible app that I use to track my own period. So this episode, yes, is more female focused or if you identify as female and if you have those reproductive organs, but I think this one could be for anyone because what we don't all realize is that the female body and female anatomy applies to all of our lives. I mean, at one point or another, we all came through the female anatomy and we don't realize how much it's going to affect every aspect of life. So that's from how females communicate to how they show up in their bodies to how they feel, but also sex. Duh. It affects everything. So this episode is all about getting us to the best health that we can be in. And for so long, we have been focused on trying to follow the same rules as men as far as our health goes. And just naturally, because the way our bodies are built up, that doesn't work. And it's going to break into everything from, again, your energy, how much your brain is working to how good your sex life is. So this one's a very important episode and there's so many takeaways from this. When I tell you she literally changed my life when I first found out about her a few years ago, it's everything. This one is for anyone that knows a woman, that is a woman, especially if you are taking things like birth control or are not feeling healthier on your periods. If you have PMS, she is the number one person to help you get your body to the healthiest it can be. And that's all based on your female cycle. So it's not going to be like a boring episode. This is not a health class episode. This one is super exciting. Alyssa is clearly very passionate about it. You can hear it in the way that she talks about what she does and how she's really just trying to help women feel the best and show up the best in their lives every single day. So this one is a must listen. Definitely share it with any female that you know. Um, especially if someone's on birth control or is thinking about having a baby at some point, just anything like that around female anatomy, please share this one. And if you do share it on Instagram, also love that. Tag us at Something to Share Podcast, and I will reach back out to you. So besides that, my something to share for the week. Hmm. 
So I was talking earlier um, about the idea of passion and business. And the American dream, or it seems to be, is to have both, to have a business that you're passionate about. We see so many incredible entrepreneurs who had an idea or had something they were passionate about and just it just blew up into their career. Unfortunately, that's not always going to be available to everyone. And I'm not saying that you can't do anything that you put your mind to, which absolutely I believe everyone can. It's just sometimes we don't always have the luxury to do a job that we're passionate about. And that's okay. Um, I spoke about this where sometimes we can separate business and passion. So say if you are a mother and you also have a side hustle or you still have to go to work, maybe your passion isn't your job. Maybe your passion is putting food on the table for your family. Maybe your passion is giving yourself that freedom as a woman to be able to buy whatever you want in your life. It depends on what you enjoy. and depends on what lights you up. It depends on what inspires you. It depends on what you're passionate about, essentially. And that, again, doesn't always have to be in business. So I think what's important in life, what has helped me is that, well, for me, I always try to be passionate passionate about what I do. But there's the day-to-days where sometimes it's like the thing that you've always wanted to do, but you're still tired and you're still showing up like, oh, I love this, but I don't want to do it right now. So what I my best advice, I guess, would be find your why. Why do you ultimately want to do anything in life? Like what is it that you're passionate about? Find out that why and see how you can apply it to some part of your life. It doesn't have to mean business. So that way you have a reason to show up for the things that you have to do. You have a reason to show up for the people in your life. You have a reason to pursue whatever whatever it is you're pursuing. My advice, if you have a job that you're passionate about, how to continue that passion, find your why. Why are you doing it? Why did you originally decide to start that project? What is the reason? Even if it's superficial, that's fine too. Like find your why, something that's going to drive you every single day that it's going to get you to show up early, to do the extra hours, to do whatever the thing is. It has to be rooted in why. Um, If you have to brain map that out, that's a great way to do it. Just whatever that why is. For me, I'll share mine. My why is to, for example, for this podcast, is to give you guys listening what I've always received from podcasts, what always inspired me, what always kept me going. It's always that thing I needed to hear, that inspiration I needed, that voice on the other end that felt like a friend. That was my why. So my why is giving that to you guys in any way that I can. So that's been kind of my grounding force. It's kind of my way of giving back, but it's also my way of finding passion in the work that I do. My why for showing up on social media is also similar to that where it's, I was given whatever platform I was given and I feel a need to give back from it. I feel a need to connect with the people on the other side of it because myself in those positions, if I were to reach out to someone on Instagram, like an influencer or whatever, I would love to hear back from them. I would love to feel like I was somewhat a part of their life. And that's just me. So that's how I approach Instagram. So I think anything that you do can all be rooted in whatever your why is. Why could be, I just need to pay rent for the month. Great. Whatever your why is, whatever that's going to keep you going, keep you showing up, figure out what it is. And it's a game changer for how you show up in your life. I mean that wholeheartedly. Also, guys, I'm super excited. I have been working with a podcast network. So I'll be talking about that soon. But we are kind of breaking off the episodes into little segments. So this first segment is kind of like if you guys watch The Bachelor, it's called an ITM. So an in the moment. So this 
first section, this intro of mine will be the in the moment, what's going on for me in my life, something that I'm sharing with you guys. And I also want to share it with you as well. So once a month, we all loved the episode, or I did, with my boyfriend who we came on and helped me review all of your dating profiles. It was so fun. So we're going to try to do something like that once a month with him. I have a blast with him. I think he gives great advice. I always love to have a male perspective as well as a female. Um, so he's going to come on once a month and be my little co-host, and we're going to have you guys involved. So share with me what topics you want us to cover because we're going to get my audience involved. We're going to ask you guys questions, have you guys share something with me that we can share on the podcast. It's going to be a very lovely community. So I'm excited for that. So once a month, he'll be on and we'll discuss all types of different topics. Topics. It'll be tons of fun and we'll definitely have you guys super involved with that. So like I said, there's tons of fun stuff to come. Again, reach out to me, reach out to the podcast at something to share podcast on Instagram and feel free to give us a five-star review if you feel inclined. Share this one with someone who needs to hear it and definitely give it a listen, guys, because it's an incredible episode that I am so excited about. So without further ado, here is Elisa Vidi. I'm so excited about this episode and I'm so excited to have you here. So Elisa, welcome to my podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time to spread all of your knowledge. How are you? I I am so happy to be here, Sydney. This is so fun and uh, I'm good. Just hanging out today in the afternoon, trying to spread the good word of biological rhythm awareness to to every woman. <laughs> it's such, it's been a part of my life now for a few years. So I am excited to have this moment finally come. But um, before we jump into everything, can you just give everyone kind of a rundown of who you are, what you do, and why you are so amazing? <laughs> why I am the person who loves your period more than anyone else. <laughs> so I am, um, I guess I'm a three-part you know, I have three parts to my story. Like, you know, first I was a hormonal patient, right? I had all sorts of hormonal problems that really led me to see the limitations of conventional medicine and and how big of a population women are that are struggling with things like PCOS and fibroids and endometriosis. So first and foremost, I'm, I'm somebody whose hormonal issues have been in recovery, in remission rather for two decades. Um, second, I'm an, I'm a, academic and researcher who has dedicated the past two decades of my career to taking the deep dive into, you know, how our biology works, how our hormones work, and to create the systems such that we can interact with them effectively and make them work better. And then third, I'm an entrepreneur and proud to be part of the femtech community. And I have built a company called Flow Living that has... Uh, become the premier hormonal healthcare destination for women around the world from their first period to their last. And we build the products the, and formulate the supplements that really move the needle on your, your hormone problems. So those are sort of like my background and how I, why I'm here, why I care so much about your period and, and why I want you to care so much about it. <laughs> it's incredible what you do and it truly does change lives and brings life into the world and all of those things. Um, before we jump into the meat of it, I am starting this segment of we do like a show and tell of sharing something that might be surprising to someone or something that is a part of you. And I kind of want you to share with me your supplements because 
I actually um, had a rough time with my period recently. And every time I would get my period, I was I could not move for at least three days. It was horrendous. And then anytime I had horrible cramps, I would just dart to the bath and just lay there for an hour or two. So when that happened, I remembered from all of the podcasts I listened to of yours from some of your book that I read that you had these supplements and that could be something that could help me. So I I swear to God, at four in the morning, whatever time it was I was in the bath, I ordered on my phone these supplements to my home. to try and help me because I was at my like lowest of lows. So they've helped me tremendously. And I want to kind of have you give a moment to share what they are. So I'm well, first of all, I'm so glad that your period is functioning better. That's how it's supposed to be. Um, but yeah, I'm they're right behind me. I'll, I'll try to grab them. You have them. I have them. I do. Basically, you know, the second book that I wrote, which is also behind my shoulder in the flow, I, I had, you know, I've become very passionate about chronobiology, which sounds like something weird, but really it is the study of the timing of biological processes in the body. And the thing that's really important for women to know is that they have a separate biological rhythm that men don't have. It's called the infradian rhythm. We also have something called the circotragian rhythm. And essentially it means that every, every system of your body functions in a cyclical way in a four-part pattern. Mm-hmm. So you have four weeks in the month and you have four four patterns in the month. So as I was developing the cycle syncing method, it dawned on me as well that each of the four phases of the cycle have this unique hormone ratio, kind of like a biochemical signature. And these four phases, you know, they have typical symptoms that we all suffer through and just accept Mm -hmm. like, oh, I have the breakout on my chin every time I ovulate. And we just think there's nothing to be done about it. Or my PMS is always so bad. And I guess that's, I have to live with it or my cramps are so bad, right? Like you were saying. Mm -hmm. So I started looking at the research around what I could formulate for, to support each of these unique hormone hormone ratios, this unique signature, hormonal signature for each phase. And that's how the cycle syncing supplements were born. I'm really proud of them because they're the first of its kind. I mean, if you think about it, all the products that you take, they're just based on that circadian 24 hour, which is excuse for male, right? (laughs) Kind of clock, like, okay, you just take this every day and hopefully it'll make you feel better but none of them do. Mm-hmm. If they did, you know, I wouldn't be formulating something different. So these are really cool because they, you know, this is the follicular and ovulatory phases. You only take them, you know, when you're in your follicular phase, when you're in your ovulatory mm-hmm. phase, and each one does a different thing to support that unique phase. And I'm so proud of it because A, it matches our biological pattern and we need that. But B, because like your experience, that's that's why we're doing all this, right? Because I just, I am just sick and tired of hearing because I've been talking to women for a long time. I wish I knew this before. I wish I could get those 10 years back where I had to take off a week from work Mm. because I, you know, in so much pain. Um, I wish, I wish, I wish. So I don't want to sit around wishing. (laughs) I want to do something. And so I love hearing the stories of women who take this for one month and like their whole cycle is just better. Mm Um, and you don't have to wait months and months for that to happen. So yeah, I'm, uh, I'm, I, I love these. I'm, they're brand new. We just launched them in uh, February of this year. And if you have anything going on with your period, that's funky, you know, you're not happy with your PMS, you're not happy with your cramps. You have like ovulation weirdness. Mm. 
give them a try. You know, to, the, by the way, these bottles are a six month supply. True. <laughs> so you don't even have to like, you know, keep buying them. Just try it for, try it for half a year. See how different your life can be with better periods. That's huge. Yeah. I actually am in the follicular, I can't say this word, follicular. 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 Yeah. <laughs> so I took yes. that right before this. Nice. Nice. Yeah. And you know, a lot of people are like, wait, how do I know which phase I'm in? <laughs> don't worry. I built an app. <laughs> It's called MyFlow, and um, it'll tell you which phase you're in and remind you of all the things you need to do for each phase. So I don't expect you to become as encyclopedically knowledgeable about your cycle. You know, I know I'm oddly interested in it more than most, yes. <laughs> so, but at least you can have the information when you need it, mm-hmm. you know, in the palm of your hand through the app. And it's very user-friendly, which I love. Just make sure it has the circle icon, like the one that's on the book yeah. and on the supplements and not any other There's icons. definitely other versions. They're not the same. Yeah. They're not mine. <laughs> What's funny to me is um, I feel like people don't actually even fully know that there's different phases. I think we all know menstruation. We, we know sometimes we get PMS, but we don't realize there's all these other phases that we go through. Can you kind of walk me through what they are? Because I was a little mind blown once I discovered all of the different phases and it kind of explained why I felt a certain way at a different time in my life, why I felt more energy one day and way less the next day. So can, can you kind of walk me through those phases? All right. So you have the four phases, the follicular, the ovulatory, the luteal and the menstrual, or I like to call the bleeding phase. Cause isn't it confusing that like you could be your whole menstrual cycle the whole month or your menstrual phase is when you're bleeding. So let's just call what it is. <laughs> let's just say the whole thing is your menstrual cycle. And then when you're bleeding, you're, it's your bleeding phase. <laughs> I think the best way to look at it is to sort of see the impact of these phases on other systems of your body, right? Cause we know what happens, right? In the follicular phase, a whole bunch of little eggs develop on the ovary. In the ovulatory phase, one is released. In the luteal phase, the endometrium is built to ha- to house an embryo should there be conception. And then at the, in the bleeding phase, you know the lining is shed. So we know that those are the four physical things that happen throughout the month. But what does it mean for the rest of your body, right? Because this is the big discovery that I made, which caused me to write the second book. This infradian, the cyclical biological clock that you have this affects way more than just your period, right? Just like the circadian clock affects way more than just your sleep-wake cycle, this infradian circadian clock, this really affects um, your metabolism, your brain function, your immune response. I mean, your stress response system. Every single thing about you is affected by this and operates on this four-part pattern. So, in the first half of the cycle, you should know that, it, which is the follicular and ovulatory phases, you should, you should be aware that your metabolism is slightly slower and your resting cortisol levels are slightly lower. So what this means, and this is sort of, this is the basis of the cycle syncing method that I created, which by the way, was so cool. Vogue just named this the, the next wellness trend every woman needs to know about. I, because, oh and I didn't, I didn't even realize because they, they, were, they dug this up for the, for the feature. Um, five million women on TikTok and Instagram are hashtag cycle syncing. So like we're oh all, God, I need to do that. We all are getting in our flow. It's so good. So in this first half, 
when we know our metabolism is, is, is a particular speed, right? You, it makes sense that you could eat fewer calories. And also because the resting cortisol levels lower, the research shows that you can safely do like all the HIIT workouts and cardio workouts you want to do. The combination of doing that, of synchronizing your food and fitness with those phases of your cycle appropriately results in the optimal biohack, right? You're going to build lean muscle like nobody's business. You're going to burn stored fat as fuel. You're going to feel really energized. Who doesn't want that? We all want that, right? Absolutely. Then in the second half, after you cross ovulation, this is the, this is the problem though. Let me just start with the problem. Then I'll give you <laughs> the problem is because women have been left out of medical fitness and nutrition research, mm-hmm. which you may also not be aware of everything that you read in an article, like, Oh, intermittent fasting is going to give you these results and hit workouts are going to be the best gold standard. And you have to eat the same amount of calories every day. Guess who that's been studied on? Men and yeah. postmenopausal. Yeah, not you. <laughs> yeah. And so you've read the book. <laughs> so, done my research. Yeah. so, you know, that's the problem. But the problem is that you believe that um, this very unscientific assumption that's being made, which is really, I would say, just totally untenable at this point. Like, you know, we now know that this doesn't actually translate. But for years, the scientific community has just been saying, well, you know, we're not researching women, but let's just assume that they're smaller versions of men with sluggish metabolism. So it should work. Whatever, whatever we're doing for the men should work for the women. We know that that 100% is, but that's the most unscientific thing I've ever heard of, <laughs> right? We need much more precision. We deserve precision with the research that if we're going to try something, it better have data that supports our biology, not like some crumbs left over from other, I mean, just, you know, I think we can yep. do better. So Absolutely. Take, it, take everything you're reading with a big grain of salt If this, and ask the question of yourself until this becomes more standardized um, among journalists, you know, who is the study being done on? Right. When there's like a new study being reported about the best new thing to do for your health, ask, look, click on the link to the study and go read. It'll tell you in the first few lines, like who was being researched. And if it's all, mm-hmm. if it's all dudes, you know, just like click off the article. It has nothing to do with you. <laughs> right. But the problem is because we've had that for so long, we actually do think that the optimal thing to do for our health management is to strive for keeping our calories the same every day doing the same workout every day, having the same daily routine. I mean, these are like the basics, the bases of most success coaching you will hear, like get up really early, do your workout first thing in the morning, eat the same amount of calories and rinse and repeat every 24 hours. Yes. If you have testicles, do that. (laughs) Yeah. If you don't, don't do that. (laughs) If you have, if your ovaries are producing female hormones in a cyclical pattern, you have to just modulate what you're doing to match which phase you're in period. It's just, and the the guys are cycle syncing to their 24 hour clock. I mean, it's the same Mm -hmm. thing. It just has to be done in two different ways. So anyway, back to the second half of our cycle. I just had to take that tangent. (laughs) Forgive me. (laughs) (laughs) So back to the second half of your cycle which is luteal and menstrual, um, this metabolism speeds up. Studies show you need 279 more calories per day. So if you don't proactively give yourself those calories, guess where you're going to find yourself kind of later in the afternoon, 
at the bottom of a bag of something, chips, cookies, mm-hmm. whatever, being like, Carbs. yo, how did I get here? Where, when did this happen? <laughs> okay. And you don't want to find yourself that way because at that point, your neurotransmitters, ghrelin, have taken over, right? Because your blood sugar is, is all over the place and ghrelin is going to cause you to kind of binge eat for a minute to get those calories where they need to be. So don't wait till it's too late, you know, start the day off with like a sweet potato and a scrambled egg or, you know, something, something high fat, high, slow sustaining burning, slow burning carbohydrate. Not only do we have the more, the greater caloric intake needs in the second half, but our resting cortisol levels are higher, which means that you cannot, the studies show you must not do hit workouts in the second half of your cycle. Here's why. Oh, this is the big one. Everyone pay attention. <laughs> if you do, and this answers the, this, this, what I'm about to say answers the question. I, I love this part because this, I mean, I'm somebody who's maintained a 50 pound weight loss for two decades and had a pregnancy Amazing. and like also re recalibrated my, my weight after easily. If you are somebody who is always beating your head up against the wall, like, gee, I just don't get it. I eat the same calories every day. I I come committed. I just do it. I go to the gym. I'm whatever, you know, you show up, you have all that willpower. And at the end of the month, you've either not made any progress or you feel like you've gained a few pounds. Mm -hmm. I'm about to explain why this is, you're not crazy for thinking or feeling this way. This is really happening to you. Okay. The studies show if you do HIIT workouts or high-intense cardio of any sort in the second half, the luteal phase, you turn on fat storage and turn on muscle wasting. It's so sad. <laughs> so this is what's really happening to you. You think you're yeah. being a good, a good you know, student of wellness because everything mm-hmm. is being ta- told to you through the lens of what supports male biology, which is the same every day. So you're doing your same calories every day, even when you're hungry and you're doing the same hit workouts, even when it doesn't feel right in your body. First half of the month that is getting you results, building lean muscle, burning stored fat, but then you undo it in the second half of the month because it doesn't match your biological reality. And at the end of the month, at best, you make zero progress. At worst, you'll gain a pound or two and add that month over month. You know, this is why I used to have back a couple years ago, like the trend of getting fit was not to do like a cleanse or whatever, or like a hit, a hit workout thing. It was to train, you know, casually for a triathlon. Oh yes. Marathon <laughs> times. <laughs> marathon times. Like people are like, all right, I'm going to just run a marathon and get in shape. Right. Okay. Yeah. Never run in my life, but let's do that. Let's do that. <laughs> so crazy. I think, you know, I always joke with my husband, I'm like, after giving birth, I am like super cool with never climbing Mount Kilimanjaro or doing any extreme sports because I did that and I feel, mm-hmm. I felt my power. <laughs> like yeah. I know what I can do. Um, but anyway, women would come to me after, you know, training for several months and they're like, I really just don't understand why I put on 20 pounds. I've been mm-hmm. doing what the coach has said and running five miles a day plus biking plus swimming and like, how is this possible? Well, this is possible because you're doing the same intensity daily and eating the same calories daily. It will mess with your metabolism and and you will not get the results you want with your fitness. We're working out too hard and not smart enough with how our body works. Yeah, that would always be so frustrating with me because as a dancer, I actually used to dance for the Knicks in New York City and we would have to train every Monday, Wednesday, and it's a team of 20 women. So all of our cycles would sync up, but then we would have to constantly be doing HIIT workouts at the end of the cycle when I was so exhausted and having to take 
caffeine and whatever I could to get through those times. But it's just kind of revolved around just constantly on, constantly cardio, constantly. Yes. Yeah. And I think, so much, I think that's but... so unfair, right? Yeah. When we understand the science, right? For example, let's put it to you this way. Tom Brady's coaches, whoever he's, tra- whoever his trainers are, and I don't know enough about him, but you know, I'm sure he has like 80. I'm sure, I, I'm sure he's well hooked up. Okay. Mm-hmm. They are 1 million percent factoring in his chronobiology, his circadian rhythm, his testosterone peak um, to train, to build his lean muscle at optimal times of the day when he won't have the tendency to get injured. And they're not pushing him at the end of the day when testosterone and cortisol levels are low to go do like sprints across the football mm-hmm. field because he's going to get injured. He's going to, he's going to burn up his lean muscle. He's it's, it's going to mess with his whole system. Right. So it is 100% something that men take for granted that everything would be organized around what optimizes their performance. But yet we, as women, we don't get that benefit. Right. And so if you're in a dance group or um, a fitness class with a female instructor, I think it's time that we all just have a dialogue together about how are we going to figure this out, right? And I don't think it needs to be complicated. Like we don't absolutely need to all be on the same cycle phase. But if you're, you know, if you're in your luteal phase, don't go to the hit class, right? Or if you're unsure, stay in, let your teacher know like, hey, I'm in, the, I'm in my luteal phase. I don't know how much of this I can do. I'm going to stand in the back. And when, I, when I'm done, I'm just going to quietly leave, right? Mm-hmm. So don't be offended, right? You can just communicate. Um, if you work out with a personal trainer, make sure that, you know, you let them know what phase you're in, um, and what training you're willing to do. If they're asking you to do something that doesn't work with your phase, educate them. Mm-hmm. Um, we have to just start mainstreaming this information so that we get, we get to take care of ourselves in the right way. I'd love to see this happening in schools for girls in high school. Totally. You know, I mean, listen, of course you can do anything that you want at any time, right? Your Mm -hmm. period is not a liability. You don't have to sit it out because you're having your period. That's not what I'm saying, right? Guys are not like, hey, you know what? It's 11 o'clock at night. Let me go lift. You know, let me go do my power lifting right now. Like said no one ever, right? So if it's okay for them to say, yes, I could go do it, but this is Mm -hmm. not an optimal time for me to do it. So I'm not going to do it. Mm -hmm. Why can't we have that conversation with ourselves? Like, yes, I'm on my period. I could go for a run, of course, but it's not the optimal time for me to do that. And I don't, you know, and I just would rather wait, (laughs) you know, and that should be your prerogative. And we should have a culture that allows for what I call biological rhythm awareness and inclusivity, right? In the sports area, in fitness, in Mm -hmm. wellness, in the biohacking conversation, and even in corporate culture. Mm -hmm. So it's it's just really about up-leveling our understanding of how the female system works and not um, doing this really insidious gender bias thing of just, you know, making us try to squeeze into the male pattern. That's fundamentally has to stop. It's making us sick. It's making us miserable. It's not fair. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. It's something that maybe you can do for a short time, but you will burn out. Yes. And it's about more longevity and something that you can develop as a normal thing that you can keep doing your whole life versus like burning yourself out, running that marathon. That was great. But then if you injure yourself or if you burn yourself out, then was it worth it? And I have this conversation with my boyfriend all the time because he's one of those that gets up at 4.45 in the as morning. As he should. 
chugs his caffeine, goes to the gym, go power lifts, does go all hit the that things, and then comes back. Peak. Yes, <laughs> exactly. And he's like, "You're, you're." I mean, he doesn't call me lazy, but he insinuates that I'm lazy because I'm still sleeping That's and right. I know that I need my rest. But I explain, I try to explain it to him through the lens of this and then he understands it better because we are very different. That's right. And <laughs> that's, I think that's such a really beautiful example of how gender, uh, sorry, biological rhythm awareness and inclusivity can play out in different arenas. So like in a relationship, and it goes both ways, right? So for example, I always give this example as, you know, my husband, I'm aware of his pattern, his hormonal pattern, obviously he's married to me. <laughs> so, you know, I'm like, okay, it's 1030 at night. If I want to have an hour long marathon of like, you know, whatever, you know, romance, right? This is not the time to approach him because A, he's completely out of testosterone. B, he should be asleep making testosterone for tomorrow and C, if I did make him sort of, you know, kind of go and, and go through with it anyway, it would be a suboptimal performance for both of us, right? Mm, that makes sense. So like, just as I wouldn't judge him for that, mm. I would expect him not to judge me in the morning if I need extra sleep or whatever it is I'm doing. I We are not on the same schedule. He's on his clock. I'm on my clock. Let's both understand the clocks and give space for the clocks. Because it's that little, that's what I mean by insidious gender bias, like that subtle judgment that your boyfriend had before you explained it to him. Mm-hmm. That makes us feel so bad. It makes us second guess ourselves. It makes us feel judgmental when we shouldn't be. We should be like, hey, it's just different. Don't judge me because I'm different, right? Big opportunity for us to change the narrative. And, and we can do that without you know, waiting for things to change. We just drive the change from within. Totally. Like you were saying before, you know, it's so important that women feel like they can um, start to live this way. Yes, I agree. But here's why that's so important, because 50% of women right now, as we're speaking, have a hormonal imbalance, Mm -hmm. because we're disrupting this infradian rhythm, right, by not synchronizing with our cycle. When we look at that compared to the male cohort, do you think 50% of men are suffering from a hormonal problem? No, no, they are not. And why are they not? Because they are empowered to support their health at the most primal level, which is to support that circadian 24 hour testosterone clock. When you support that, you get the better health outcome. We are not have not been empowered until now to do that. And so that's why so many of us have problems. So this isn't just a nice idea. This is like the deepest way you can support your biology as a woman is to synchronize with mm-hmm. these patterns, period, pun intended. <laughs> um, what are some signs then for women who might not know they have infertility issues or might be off balance in some way? What would be some telltale signs that we could kind of decide that for ourselves? Well, yeah. Any hormonal problem you can look at. Um, first of all, I think it's really imp- essential that you start tracking your symptoms. So that's what's special about the MyFlow app is that it will tell you sort of why you're having a symptom and each and every day from a functional medicine point of view. So track and see what your patterns are. Because let's say if you always have certain PMS symptoms, that in and of itself is a known hormonal imbalance that makes you vulnerable to the diseases of inflammation, like postmenopausally, right? So cancer, diabetes, heart disease, dementia, right? Your PMS is not a laughing joke matter that you should be commiserating about with your girlfriends. The American College of Obstetrics and Gynecologists decreed that your period should be considered your fifth vital sign as important as elevated temperature or blood pressure. 
So if you have pain, PMS, weird colors in your bleed, right? Like they're super dark or clotty or light brown or light pink or whatever is going on. And it's not like just a healthy, normal red color. Mm-hmm. That's another indication that something's off with your hormones. If your cycle's too long, too short, lots and lots of pain. Um, there's, you know, there's all those things can let you know that something is off with your hormones and whatever is happening with your cycle absolutely dictates your future fertility, right? Mm. So if you have not enough progesterone and you have all this PMS, which is how, how PMS happens where we don't have enough progesterone, then it's going to be really hard for you to conceive because you need progesterone to hold on to that embryo in the first trimester because the placenta takes that first trimester to form, right? Mm. So, you know, it's really start, if you want to think about your fertility in the future, you got to really start looking at your period today and taking Mm. care of it. And the best place to start, if you, if, you know, don't feel overwhelmed and don't start spot treating, like don't try to spot treat your PMS or spot treat your cramps. That's not what your body needs. It needs you to deeply support it. So the cycle syncing method with food and fitness is the best place to start. Um, and then using the cycle syncing supplements will help even out other d- micronutrient deficiencies that you might have. So you're really getting, you're moving things forward in the right way from that root cause um, place with macro and micronutrient therapy, food and and supplements. I love what, how the app breaks it down by the phases and it gives suggestions for you're feeling this right now, or you could be feeling this, try these foods or try this way to work. Can you kind of walk me through that as well? Because I love each one of those. You break it down by even career and food and even sex and how those all play a role different times of the month on how we should be feeling. Can you kind of walk me through those four phases? Yeah. So, I mean, I guess we can talk about like creativity and relationships and things. So, Mm-hmm. You know, in the four phases of the cycle, our brain, you know, is experiencing different concentrations of different hormones, right? Estrogen, testosterone, progesterone, and it has a different stimulating effect on different regions of the brain. So, for example, in the ovulatory phase, you have that peak surge of estrogen, right? Because that's what helps the whole ovulation process happen. Well, it also has a really stimulating effect on your verbal and social centers of your brain. So this is like, you're just naturally going to feel like hanging out with people, networking, being on, being out in front, going on dates. I mean, going on dates with your friends and their boyfriends and girlfriends, like whatever it is, Um, anything that's you and other people and socializing is going to feel really pleasurable because of, of how that estrogen is circulating in your brain. But then in the luteal phase, it changes, right? We don't have that super high peak, but we also have the introduction of progesterone for the first time in the cycle. And progesterone is my favorite hormone. <laughs> if I had to pick a hormone that was my favorite, it would be that one. Um, it had, first of all, the luteal phase is the longest phase of the cycle. And with progesterone there, you get this calming and focusing effect in your brain. So all you want to do is get stuff done. You already know, like intuitively, or in just observationally, 
that there are certain times of the month where you're like, oh man, why did I say yes to that event? Mm -hmm. I really don't feel like going out. Why do I always do this to myself? You know, well, you're doing it to yourself by accident because you're not planning your projects based on what's optimal for each phase of the cycle. So I don't make that mistake. During my luteal phase, I'm going to be home. I'm going to be getting things done and I'm going to be relaxing and like cooking and all that stuff, you know, in my pre-COVID life. But during the... <laughs> during the That's what we're, we're all in that phase. Yeah, we're all, all just inside. <laughs> it's yeah. getting, it's turning the corner. It's um, shifting, yeah. But in the ovulatory phase, all I want to do is be out. I'm like looking for an event. Where can I go and put on an mm-hmm. outfit and like meet up with some friends and hang out with people, right? That that feels really good, but it feels really not good to do it in my luteal phase. If I have to do it, I can, but I try not to because I find that um, naturally more introverted at that time as, as are most women with this hormonal pattern. And um, it's more draining to be forcing myself to do extroverted things, right? Mm-hmm. So it's just about understanding that process of the fact that your brain is not even the same throughout the month, it changes by about 25%. So you want to kind of really look at your project map and everything you need to do. And instead of trying to do everything kind of the same every day, which is how guys do it, Mm -hmm. don't do that. Think about using the whole month to plan out all the different activities you want to do, but do them at a time that just is easier for you because you get that extra hormonal support at that time. You know, Mm -hmm. of course you can do anything, anytime. It doesn't matter in that sense you are a woman, you can go do whatever you want. But why not do it when it like is the easiest? Absolutely. You know? It's funny because my best friend and I are both on this, on the app and we'll be like, mm, I can't hang out this week and luteal. I'm not feeling it. <laughs> like, that's not going to be good for me. It's not going to be good for me. Right. Yeah. And like, that's really interesting too, right. To have that dialogue with your friends uh-huh. because then we just normalize it amongst each other. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we'll find ways to compromise because it's not like we're all going to be syncing up on our ovulatory phases every, every month. But, um, you know, when you can, when you need to be there for your friends, of course you still can be because you haven't burnt yourself out by not planning this way. Let's say even just 50% of the time. Can you imagine going from how you're doing it now, which is like just full on every day, restricting calories every day, hit workouts every day, totally disrupting your system every day, feeling stressed, exhausted, anxious, not feeling mm-hmm. your best, right? And if you were to just even do this half of the way, you know, like half good, <laughs> um, half of the time, however you want to think about it, you would have uh, like so much more energy. So if you do need to do something that's not perfectly aligned with your face, because by the way, this is not about becoming like nuts and perfect. And I can only do this in only this phase. It's yeah. not about that. It's about building your energy reserves every single day so that when you do inevitably have to do something that's not aligned with your phase, because that's just life for men and women, um, you have the reserve, you have that extra energy to get you through it, as opposed to now where you're just constantly running on fumes. And the other huge part of all of that too, it's giving me the licensing even within my relationship where I track it. My boyfriend is very aware of when I'm ovula- or when I'm ovulating, when I'm not, mostly because we're not trying to have a baby right now. But um, also the fact where pleasure changes with each cycle, which was a major thing to learn. Then it, because I think 
in general, women tend to be a little bit in their heads with sex and all of that and intimacy. And that kind of helped even more where it was like, oh, I'm not extra wet right now because it's this phase or I'm I'm more into having sex right now because of this. And it's another thing that gave you that licensing. So can you also walk me through that as well? Because I think that is so fascinating and it just helps. I'm so flipping happy to hear you just like rattle that off. Like it's like totally normal. I cannot tell you because that's what, that's to me what sexual empowerment sounds like. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't necessarily mean like high heels and lingerie, although I think that's pretty awesome too. It's just like yeah. knowledge about your body and the ability to communicate that pretty matter of factly to your partner. Like that is so, yeah. yes. Yes. To I mean, all I, that. Bought, I bought us lube because I was like, I need it. Yes. <laughs> During this right. So, right. Yeah. And it's, again, it just, just comes down to the facts. And so when it's matter of fact, you don't feel yeah. funky about it or weird or bashful or shy. You're like, you can show up for yourself. And that's, mm. that is what I want for women. But yes, 67% of women are sexually unsatisfied. Mm. Let me say that again. 67%. If men, if 70% of men were sexually unsatisfied, there'd be like some sort of national crisis. Yes, there'd be riots. <laughs> there'd, be riots. <laughs> there'd be a problem. Yeah, so, we would be shut down. <laughs> why do we tolerate this? I don't know. Um, that's a whole other conversation. But the, the, the fundamental reason why it's happening to you, at least that I can explain. And that has to do with the fact that without the proper education about how this cyclical biological rhythm impacts your sexual response, you again think that you're supposed to feel the same way every day, be wet the same way, have the same speed to get to climax every day, Mm -hmm. to be in the mood at the same level every day, because that's how it is for dudes, (laughs) especially in the morning. Oh yeah. (laughs) But it's not (laughs) that way for you. So Mm-hmm. In you're absolutely right. There are wet phases of the cycle, which are the ovulatory and the luteal phase. And then there are dry phases, which is the bleeding week, ironically, because mm-hmm. you think, oh, it's wet. Mm-hmm. No, it's not. That's just the blood, which if you've ever had like a cut, right? And the blood hits the, the air hits the blood. What happens to the blood? It dries out, right? Mm-hmm. So the same thing. That is a dry phase of your cycle. That you're going sense. to have intercourse, which I highly encourage during that phase use lubricant because you will get, um, there'll be so much, uh, drying, drying out of the bleed fluids from the exposure to the air. It's going to become very painful with all that increased friction. So use lube if you're going to do it. And then the other dry phase is the follicular phase right after the bleed is over before ovulation. So you need the lube at those times at the beginning, not like after you've tried it for a few minutes, like, Oh, let's see if I can get wet. Don't wait because just get it on there there and get, and then you'll start to feel good. Right. Because without the lubricant, if you approach those 8,000 nerve endings of the clitoris, you know, with like what I call a cold start, like dry, right. Mm -hmm. It's going to friction equals pain. Pain shuts off your interest in the process. Right. I mean, it's only logical. I mean, we're little, we're little lovey creatures here. You know, we have to approach the whole situation the right way. So there's that. The other thing is the arousal situation is different too. So your interest in sex ebbs and flows throughout the month. Obviously, nature being interested in procreating the species, you're most interested in sex during ovulation because you have a surge of estrogen and testosterone here. So it makes you very interested. And also, um, you need very little stimulation to achieve optimal pleasure at this time. 
Mm-hmm. But that's 48 hours, sister friend, that's where we're ovulating, you know, really, I mean, maybe four days, if you kind of use the sort of the, the bell curve, kind of looking at that, uh, the beginning and the middle and the end of it. The rest of the month, the bigger part is the luteal phase. And we have more of a balanced response here. So what you need is a good amount of foreplay in the luteal phase that incorporates your mental state, your physical needs as well, right? It can't just be ovulation is like, you want to have a quickie, that's when you have it because you're wet, you're in the mood and it's all going to work, right? Mm -hmm. And you're going to, you're going to achieve your pleasurable outcome, but quickies in any other phase pretty much don't get you to the finish line. And, and it's, and it's like, it's not, it's nothing personal to your partner and it's nothing about your, like your libido is perfect. This is how your libido works. So again, I just go back to my husband as an example. I'm not judging him at 1030 at night when he has no more testosterone left Uh and you shouldn't judge yourself, uh, you know, outside of the ovulation, ovulation phase that you don't sort of have this. And I like to use this because this just sort of resonates. I think really, you don't have this like porn star sex drive, mm. right? Where you're just like wet and ready to go like now, yeah. right? That, that is, that's like maybe ovulation if you're well-rested, <laughs> but it's definitely not the rest of the month. And so you need to work with your partner on what it is that your winning recipe is for, for foreplay, you know? Um, I think in the follicular phase, it involves trying new things together, like getting out, going for a walk, a hike, or rock climbing, or just something new because you're going to have all this nitric oxide and oxytocin produced from doing a non-sexual physical activity together that mm-hmm. creates a lot of bonding and intimacy. And then it'll just naturally evolve into something that is sexual. I think during the luteal phase, having um, just some quiet time together where you start with cuddles and then it turns into something else, mm-hmm. um, you know, but that there's plenty of time and space given to your erogenous zones and erogenous mapping. I think that really works really well in the luteal phase too. And to, you know, to remind your partner, like, let's just hold off on approaching the clitoris for a little while. Let's start with other parts. If I give me a massage, you know, rub my feet, like all these things really do help, help you as a female get back into your body because you know how you are during the day. You're running a mile a minute between your ears. You got so much going on. Um, You got to come home first before you can start to like see how the clitoris is doing and if she wants to play, you know? So Mm -hmm. I think that's another thing to think about in the luteal phase. It's major. And I I love everything about this because it just makes you realize how cool your body is and how in tune we are naturally and how it just all makes sense. And it's just really cool to break it down like that and see like we are we are just really awesome beings. <laughs> yes. I mean, listen, I am a super nerd when it comes to this stuff. And what I have learned in two decades of studying it is that the whole conversation we've all had all these years about oh, women are so mysterious and confusing and complicated and the hormones are so confusing and mysterious and complicated is just utter total BS. Because the scientific reality of it is that you have one of the most efficient, potent systems that, you know, no big deal, 3D prints small human beings at will, uh, if you choose to do that, no big deal. But every month, 3D prints an actual organ. The endometrial lining is like, the, you know what I mean? That, that gets printed every month. You make that out of, not, like, <laughs> it's 
remarkable. Anyway, and it is because it's efficient and nature always uses intelligent, efficient design. Your body is so organized and, and there's a system for how it needs to be taken care of. It's very logical. It's very simple and straightforward. What's complicating it, what's making us feel like it's mysterious is we just keep messing with it. Mm-hmm. You know, you're eating the same calories every day, you're doing the same wrong workouts during the wrong phase. You're trying to do everything the same every day. That is really throwing a wrench into the gears and then things don't work right. But when you do get in your flow and you maintain that flow state, it's just so straightforward. And, and you feel this way, this like, wow, this just makes sense. And I know what to do. And I, it's clear, it's easy. It's not that big of a deal. Um, you know, I, I just, I, th- I, that I get excited about because when we're, we're not just talking about, you know, the cycle syncing method. What we're really talking about is having an appropriate relationship with our ourselves as women for the first time. One that feels really like, oh, I'm standing on a foundation that I understand about who I am and how my body works. And I know what I need and how to ask for it and to not feel ashamed of that. And what, I mean, I cannot actually fathom what would happen, what will happen when we all start operating that way. I mean, it's going to just change pretty much everything. Yeah. It's woman empowerment at its finest. It just breaks down to that. Yeah. I'm wondering then because there's things that disrupt our cycle, the idea of birth control and how that's not the same thing as cycle syncing. And can you kind of walk me through that? And is there any form of birth control that is good for us to use or that would be a way to prevent having children. It's so funny. I've recorded since the book had came out, I've recorded like over a hundred podcasts. And, um, I always like, unless somebody asks me this question, I always forget to talk about the birth control situation because I just can't imagine why we are doing that anymore. <laughs> but Let's talk about it. Yeah, no. And I do think it's great that we have access to it and every woman should have access. And I love all the companies that are like mailing it to people. I think it's, I think that is really cool. Um, and it is a fundamental right that we should have access to that. But I want you to be aware and educated about what it's doing to you so that you can make a good informed choice for your healthcare plan. So you need to know three things. One, um, any form of synthetic birth control, if it's an implant of some sort uh, or a pill, anything that's releasing hormones, right? Actual synthetic hormones, it shuts off that cyclical biological rhythm completely. You don't have any of these phases. You don't have anything. And you might think to yourself, well, gee, great. Then I don't have to worry about, you know, changing things up. Not so. Because without this fate, without these phase changes, actually being on these synthetic hormones, it, it slows down your metabolism. Uh, most women will tell you that they put weight on when they're on synthetic birth control. And that's because you, you don't have your cyclical metabolism to help you, you know, maintain a lean physique. Um, you have a harder time building lean muscle on synthetic birth control. Uh, you are fundamentally not the same person. So you can check out a book by Dr. Sarah Hill called Your Brain on Birth Control. I mean, you are not you. It's really a profound change. And Isn't increase- it like even like down to smell of your partner might yeah. change if you come off birth control? Yeah. So when you're on synthetic birth control, you are attracted to a person who is immunologically similar to you, which is a problem because in order for you to have healthy offspring, whether you're going to choose to do that or not, 
your body has primed you with your own beautiful system, right? Which does not include synthetic birth control to be attracted to a partner who is immunologically the most divergent from you. Wow. That way, when your sperm and egg combine, if you're in a heterosexual coupling, that you create the healthiest immunological sort of embryo. That's incredible. Right? Nature has the most intelligent, efficient design possible. I, I cannot say that enough. So when we mess with it, we pay the consequences, right? So there's that. That's one. You, you do not have your cyclical pattern. And there's real effects of that that are negative. Two, um, it depletes a lot of your micronutrients, which can make you worse off than you were before you started the medication right? So it can disrupt your gut. It can deplete all your B vitamins, your vitamin D, your magnesium. It's going to make you not feel good. And that um, birth control sort of depletion, micronutrient depletion can create other health problems that are not related to your period at all. So it's important to know that if you are taking it, you have to use supplements. I formulated the balanced supplements um, so that you could get absolutely everything you need while you're taking that medication. And then the third thing you need to know is that if you're using it to fix your period problems, like your PCOS, your fibroids, your endo, it doesn't fix them. It, doesn't, it is not a cure for those things. It's simply symptom suppression, which with all the other things that are taking place, the added micronutrient depletion, all that, that time that you're not like working on dealing with that hormonal problem, that period problem, it's getting worse, mm. right? And eventually you have to come off the medication. You know, you cannot stay on it for life. And if you do want to have children, you have to get off it. You will have lost all of that time to address those issues before, let's say you want to try to conceive. Oh, and one more thing. <laughs> when you're on synthetic birth control, I guess this is thing number four for you to know. You do not ovulate. Right. That's how it works. Shuts off ovulation. Why should you care about that? Because every single ovulation you have puts money in your health bank account for after you are postmenopausal and you no longer have a cycle to protect your brain, your bones and your heart, which, you know, when you're an old lady, right, you want to have a powerful brain, strong bones and a healthy heart. Right. Yeah. So if you ovulate every month for four decades, right? Aside from the times where you're pregnant, potentially, all of that gets stored up for you when you stop having a period. But when you're taking synthetic birth control, you do not ovulate and you never get that time back. Never. Oh my God. Oh my God. Right. Some people go on it at like 14 and don't come off of it until they want to have kids. I think that it is a a really strange experiment that we're doing because there's no studies that have been done on the safety of exposing young I mean, children, right? Mm -hmm. You're a child at 12 and 14 mm -hmm. um, to this medication because keep in mind, puberty starts in the brain around nine, nine, 10, and completes in the brain at age 22. It is a brain change that has some other physical aspects to pubescence, right? Periods, body growth, et cetera, right? Primarily, it's a big, massive shift in the brain. You put in a medication like this that alters your brain, shuts off the conversation between the pituitary gland in the brain and the ovaries, 
we have no data on this. Is this something that is a problem? Is this going to affect things in the future? I think it's a concerning. You know, if you're just trying to prevent pregnancy, right? Now we don't have to take such an old school approach because we have all these cool femtech companies that have built all this amazing technology to help you know with precision when your egg is dropping, like when you're ovulating, when you're fertile, which by the way, the egg is only viable for two days, 48 hours. Mm -hmm. So, and sperm can live in the body for five days. So for seven days, you have to worry about using protection, but you can note with precision using things like Mira uh, tracker, which you, you know, you urinate onto a stick that has a it's Bluetooth enabled and it sends, you know, your LH surge to the, the, the app, right. You're going to know every, every time when you're fertile, when you should use a barrier method. So you, instead of having to throw all these chemical synthetic hormones at your body every single day, you don't have to, you can use some technology that's non-invasive and non-hormonal know precisely when you're ovulating and then just use a barrier method if you need to then. And there's some cool new FDA approved products that are coming out that are just vaginal gels that you can insert that just change the pH of your vagina, making it completely not functional for sperm, right? They just like, they can't swim. They're, they're just going to not get to the cervix and it doesn't do anything to you. It's not hormonal. It's not going to give you a yeast infection. Like it's, it's fantastic. It's the 21st century and we should have reproductive technologies that are the least invasive to our health. Listen, when the pill came out 70 years ago, what an enormous advance that was for women in their 50s who were having their like seventh or eighth baby. So now we can, we, you know, we know more and we can do better. So I think we can update how we do family planning, Mm -hmm. you know, if that's the only reason that you're using it. Now, as far as you asked a question about, are there any forms you can use that aren't going to mess with your cycle? The only one that you could use is a copper IUD. Mm -hmm. Um, And a lot of people are dissuaded by their healthcare providers in getting one of those because it can intensify cramping, but that's because of the copper. So all you need to do is to just take a zinc supplement to keep that in balance. What? I wish I knew that when I had that thing in there. That's all you have to do. No one told um, me that. Okay. Well. Now, listen, I don't like this idea of putting, you know, spiky things into your uterine cavity because they, they do migrate. They can puncture. If you do want to have children in the future, there's all sorts of reasons not to create scar tissue in the uterus. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's not my first choice. My first choice would be for you to track with a great device. And there's like three or four fantastic options on the market now. And then to use a barrier method of your choice or two, the vaginal gel and a condom, mm-hmm. if you want something like that, um, or a femi cap, which I think are so much easier to use than getting fitted for a diaphragm. You know, you can you can really feel totally confident with the technology and tracking your your biometrics, um, like that you won't conceive. It's wow. not you know, we've been made to feel very superstitious about it. Like, you know, it could happen anytime. And oh my God, it's just not, again, show me the data. (laughs) I'm going to listen to this a thousand times. I know that for sure. Um, Thank you so much. I'm just going to ask you my final question that I ask everyone. This podcast is called Something to Share. So you've shared a lot, obviously, but anything lately either related to this or not that's been on your heart or your mind, I would love to give you the space to share that with us. I have been thinking a lot about because my daughter's going to be seven in the fall. 
And I have nieces who are all going through their first period or about to. And so I've been thinking a lot about what it, you know, what is the conversation that needs to be had to have, you know, to really prepare a girl properly to embrace this cyclical nature? Like, what, how do we educate them? Because it's not a period conversation. It's not like, oh, you're going to have a period and, you know, here's all the things that could go wrong. It's a whole completely different conversation. That's been in my heart a lot. I'm a root cause kind of person. Like if we can get to the most fundamental place where we're getting things wrong, let's fix that, right? Instead of just trying to triage everything else. So um, if a fundamental place where we're getting things wrong as a female cohort and where things start to go sideways for us on an individual and, and group basis is how we're educated about our bodies. That has to start at seven, eight, nine, 10, 11. What, and what are those conversations? So I'm really... I'm really going down that rabbit hole right now and who knows what'll come out of that, but uh, that's what's on my mind. I feel like that's a third book coming. <laughs> Could be. You know what happens when I start to ask questions. I write books. Yeah. Exactly. And they are amazing. <laughs> um, thank you so much for being here. Can you just tell everyone where they can find you, your app, your website, your books, all of that stuff? Yes. Um, okay. So there's lots of places to go. So you can go to flowliving.com if you're having any problem with your period, your fertility or perimenopause. Um, the books are found wherever books are sold, but if you want some really fun downloads with purchase for in the flow, you can go to in the If you're like, okay, I'm sold. I want to start the cycle syncing method. I need, how do I do it? Where, what recipes, workout videos, you can join us at flow 28, the cycle syncing membership.com. We're all a bunch of infradian girls living in a circadian world. It's so much fun. You can find me on social at Flow Living and at Alisa.vd. And all the supplements are on the website, flowliving.com. And there's like a supplement shop. So you can find everything there. And I'm pretty sure we're going to have some fun um, discount codes for everybody who's listening for your community. So check the links wherever Sydney is going to post those. Perfect. Yeah. Just order them now so you don't have to order them from your bathtub when you're at the lowest of lows. <laughs> yeah. Try not to wait till it's a crisis. Yes. Amazing. Well, be proactive. You. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for everything that you do. And like I said, you are like my top celebrity to talk to. So I'm so excited that you were here. Thank you for having me. It was so much fun. Amazing. Well, have a great day and thank you. <laughs> That is it for me today, you guys. Thank you so much for being here and for listening. Before you go, make sure that you rate, review, and follow as well as subscribe so you never miss an episode. And one thing you can share in the meantime, this podcast, obviously. Send it to a friend who needs some inspiration or give us some love on social media and tag us at Something to Share Podcast on Instagram. And I'll see you next Wednesday. Bye.